0: 6 WCCF. Time for the Tom Kearney Show. A little bit of live and in real time radio that comes your way each night through the week, Monday through Friday from 9 until 10. And we try to bring you programs that entertain and uh, uh, edify. And uh, and in doing that, uh, we tend to concentrate on things in our part of the world because if, if, if nobody tells the, the story of Raleigh and of North Carolina, who is going to tell it if we are going to tell it? And uh, one of the the sports guys in our part of the world is Mr. Tony Rigsby, who has been my friend for the last 40 years, and uh, when I when I came to work at WPTF, he held the door
1: for me. Sounds good, doesn't it, Tony? It does sound good. I. I'm not sure that it's accurate, but it sounds good
0: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it isn't accurate, but, well, b- b- symbolically you did. I, I think that is true. Symbolically you did. Not, not really, but in any yeah. event. I hope
1: you helped uh, along the way 40 years ago.
0: Uh, you have been, along with uh, other people. You, and in particular, you and Mr. Mister uh, Rayleigh were my mentors, and Mr. Charles Steakall. I think uh, uh I think we're probably the only two
1: left from the time that you came I believe. And, uh,
0: that that I think is the case. Uh, I don't know Aubrey Eatman was uh with us downtown but I don't think he was there when when I when I came which was in April of 1982. So I, I'm a little I'm about 7 years behind Mike and even though you 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 have been interrupted at times you have been actually longer than that i think if I remember correctly but yeah. you've been a baseball fan all your life i'm sure of that i and, that is very accurate and uh, still very much so uh i i mean there are things i could say that would prove that to people but i i will not say them now but uh, tomorrow it was through the the major league baseball season will will be three weeks deep in it already and I think what I might ask you to do tonight is, at some point, to comment on how you think all of that's going and to vis-a-vis the problems that Major League Baseball has incurred. Um, and uh, I've looked and tried to find a list of when the various minor leagues uh, opened, and I, you know, I could not find one. May fourth is, is when they open. Okay, so so the the uh, AAA league uh, that the Durham Bulls in has not opened
1: yet. Is that is right? That minor- yeah, yeah. All the minor leagues open on May the fourth. Oh, the the same original day. plan, uh, and, you know, we have recounted this before. Last December, there was a, a uh, what I can only describe as a hostile takeover of minor league baseball by major league baseball, and which they abolished all the old leagues that we had, uh, the International League, Carolina League, South Atlantic League. None of them exist anymore. Uh, they regrouped the teams into uh, different classifications, the Durham Bulls now play in A East, and uh, the original plan was for the AAA teams to begin in early April at the same time as the Major Leagues and all the other minor leagues to begin in early May. Then uh, the commissioner, Mr. Manfred, decided in mid-March that, no, we want AAA to start at the same time and have alternate training sites for the first month of the season for uh, the Major Leagues where they have... Essentially, the uh, AAA teams as taxi squads playing uh, training at their locations close to the, the Major League Club. So what Mr. Manfred wants, Mr. Manford gets, and that's what happened uh, with the, you know no input from the minor leagues themselves.
0: You know, I love to do what I'm about to do to you right here. I want you to tell me why it's called a taxi squad, because uh, you know I heard an expression today, uh, a guy was describing something and he says they found the Goldilocks solution. And, you know, there's something that's totally different from what he was talking
1: about, has given us a, an understanding of it. And, and what, what is the taxi squad? Well, I hear well, most the often the. Taxi squad, Tom, is, as you know, is, is really a football term. Right. Uh, right and I, I'm trying to remember which team it was, but uh, in the early years of the NFL, Uh, He kept some extra uh, players, uh, and he also owned a taxi company. And so he put some of those players to work driving some of his cabs, and it just stuck for for years that these players who weren't active but could be activated very quickly in the NFL as a taxi squad. Well,
0: now, ladies and gentlemen, Tony and I are free because all my programs, I always promise you'll learn one thing, and, and that was not what I thought the answer was, but I believe that
1: probably is the correct answer. And It was somebody like George Preston Marshall, although I don't think it was him. I, I don't think it was George Preston Marshall. I wanted to say that, too, but I don't think it was the Redskins. But I'm uh, not positive about that. You know what I want to happen? I want the
0: Washington Redskins for forever and, and a day to be called the Washington
1: football team. Well, that's certainly what they were called last year. Uh, I would... Uh, I would hope they get another nickname, though, but uh, the Washington football team sounds too soccer-ish to me.
0: Right. I just happened to see a picture of the, some player the other day. It may have been in connection with the guy who recently retired, uh, who had the bad leg break. You know, you know who I'm talking about. I can't think of his yeah. name right now. But he was. But one of the players was wearing a jersey that said Washington Football Team, and, and it reminded me that they they are no longer called the Redskins, which is all right with me because my Redskins cap now is, is even more valuable. I may have to take up with the people at eBay any day now. So, okay, we've settled one of the questions I had for you tonight, and that is that the minor leagues are going to
1: open in the early part of May. May fourth as uh, the first. Uh first games, the Durham Bulls open up on the road, and their first home game will be on May 11th, 6.35 p.m. against the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp.
0: Will we hear the usual public address announcer at the show? Uh, yes, we will. And, then, ladies and gentlemen, that is Mr. Rigsby. Mr. Rigsby. Uh, uh, If you go looking for him on any day that he's not a WPTF, he's likely to be at a ball game or looking for one. That's what Dave Chase told me long ago,
1: Tony, so you can blame him for that. Uh, Yeah, uh, and somewhere in the United States, I will probably be at what? (laughs) Uh, Another question
0: that I wanted to ask you is, Update us. I mean, these are things that I, I would, if I were an audience and I could call in, I would call in and ask you. So I'm just pretending to be a fan here. I'm not pretending; I am a fan. I got kind of depressed about baseball last year and probably followed it less because of that. And, but I've renewed my interest, and I want to know. And I think I know what's going to happen about the uh, entry into the Baseball Hall of Fame at Cooperstown. I believe they're going to have an induction at about the regular time, but they're not going to have a new new group for
1: 21 but just induct the people at 20 who did not get to be inducted last year. Yes, but that's not by design. Uh, they were going to induct 20 and 21 together, but nobody made it in the voting for 21. Ah, oh, okay, I'm glad I asked. Yes, sir. I mean, the plan vote... was to induct the class of 20 along with the class of 21 but since there is no class of 21 the class of 20 goes in by itself here in 21 so they did, did have an election or an attempt at an yeah. election yeah and, okay. n- and nobody got the necessary votes okay help help uh, and remember
0: the baseball nuts will know what i'm about to ask you but regular folks on the street may or may not know this there are about three different levels of uh, election to the Baseball Hall of Fame, that is the regular election, and then then there's a senior's election
1: and a historical election or something like that? Well, they're rotating. uh, The Baseball Writers Association of America has the vote for the players who have been uh, retired most recently who've uh, made the ballot. Uh, But there are also other groups Uh, one used to be called the Veterans Committee, but now it's uh, broken into different eras and meets uh, on a three- or four-year basis. Uh, They don't meet every year. And then there's also one uh, for the Old Negro Leagues. Uh, There's uh, one for uh, the Golden Era, as they call it. Uh, uh, One for uh, the 19th century. So there's several different, Uh, committees that meet on a rotating basis uh, from year to year. But the ones of the Baseball Writers Association of America, they have a vote every year. And that's the one that's that's probably the most famous of all of them. Yeah, that's the ones that you have to have been retired, I think, five years to be eligible for that. Right. And you have to have a meet uh, certain standards in the voting to remain on the ballot uh, for the uh, 10 to 15 year period. Right. You have something
0: like a minimum number of votes or something like right. that. Okay. All right. You've answered another one of my questions. It's about time for us to take a break. I'm going to, I've been trying to—my New Year's resolution was to make my breaks. And if you don't mind the way we're going, uh, I would like to ask you, when we come back, to take a picture, you know, uh, metaphorically speaking, not a real picture of the minor league baseball situation in North Carolina, those teams that will start playing in May and and tell us about who's going to be playing where and that kind of thing since things have been uh, standardized and jerked around and so on, as you described a little bit earlier. Is that okay? That's fine. Okay, Tony Weeksby is our guest tonight. You hear him doing news on WPTF. He's the one with the booming voice. And uh, uh, he also... uh, uh, maintains his interest in baseball and does a sports program with us once in a while. And we'll talk some more with him about baseball right after this. 9:21. it just flipped over at WPGF the Tom Kearney Show for a Wednesday night. I believe it's uh, April 21st. And uh, our guest tonight is Tony Rigsby. He's been out uh, in the world exploring baseball and so on and has come back home. And the Major League Baseball season has uh, gotten underway, and the minor leagues will be getting underway in a couple of weeks. And I wanted him to take a picture, uh, mental a picture of the, of the minor leagues, since there's been some rearrangement in North Carolina, and talk about it for a moment. But, Tony, first of all, John and I were talking about something during the break, and I'm going to ask your opinion, since it involves your hometown. Okay. I was uh, telling him about the, the supposed origin of the bullpen. You know, the Blackwell's Tobacco Company and the bull on the on the outfield fence. You know what I'm trying? Right.
1: Do you, do you, do, I think that's true, and I'm gonna believe it. Any, well, whatever anybody says. Well, how about you? Yeah, it is. With the the, the uh, my understanding from the the sources that I believe uh, was that you know pitchers would warm up in front of in many ballparks. Uh, in front of the Bull Durham smoking tobacco housefield uh, signs. And uh, that's how the bullpen came about, because they were throwing in front of the bull. And I was telling him, you, you know, a lot of minor league teams
0: inherit the name or have imposed on him the name of the major league team, but certain minor league teams have Traditional names like the Bulls and the Charlotte Hornets and the Toledo Mudheads,
1: that they're not of going course, to change the Char- those names. Charlotte Hornets have not been in existence with that name for decades uh, as a baseball team. Uh, oh, yeah. The, but- the Charlotte Hornets were for many, many years in the old uh, Southern Association as the AAA affiliates of the. Uh, first edition of the Washington Senators and later the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Their last year with that nickname was 1972. Uh, Then when baseball came back to Charlotte, they came back as the Charlotte O's, uh, short for Orioles. And for the last uh, nearly 40 years, they've been the Charlotte Knights. Yep. Uh, Well, the
0: reason I was that I was trying to make with John is that during the revolutionary war, there was a bunch of redcoats attacked uh, some people at Charlotte or whatever it was called then, and when they left, they said, we had a rough time. It was like a hornet's nest in there, and, and the Charlotteans have felt good
1: about the term hornet. nest. Well, you know, the nickname Hornets has, uh, has served the Queen City, as they like to refer to it, uh, in three different sports. Of course, we just talked about the baseball version of the Hornets, and we all know the the basketball version of the Hornets, now in its second incarnation uh, in the NBA. But do you remember the Charlotte Hornets professional football team? I do not. And this was in the 1970s in the short-lived World Football League, the WFL. And Uh. for two seasons, there was a team called the Charlotte Hornets in the 70s in the WFL. But wasn't there a team called the Memphis Steamboaters or something like that? They uh, yeah, very well may have that. Right, and so okay, let's this go back a, and talk. This was an early one before the before the USFL, which was okay. probably the yeah. most successful of the springtime leagues.
0: That may be the one I'm thinking about. Well, we wandered around a little bit. Let's come back and talk about minor league baseball in North Carolina, and eventually I'm going to ask you about college baseball in Omaha and so on. So you can be priming your brain for that, but. What is the situation in North Carolina after the rearrangement?
1: Well, we uh, we only lost one team as far as uh, minor league baseball was concerned in North Carolina, and it survives, but not as a professional team. Uh, and they, that one team was the, the entire league, the Appalachian League. Uh, uh, as with all the short-season leagues, they ceased to exist with this restructuring. So the Burlington Royals, Uh, were eliminated. They were the only team in that league in North Carolina. But the Appalachian League was reorganized as a summer collegiate league, Uh, still playing at the same ballparks with uh, the same operating groups for the most part. The Burlington team, uh, all of the teams in the Appalachian League, uh, moving to summer collegiate ball, had to get new nicknames because in the past they all had the parent club's nicknames. So the Burlington Royals are now the Burlington Sock Puppets and they'll begin play in May in the Summer Collegiate Appalachian League.
0: Are these teams related directly or indirectly to Major League
1: Baseball teams, or are they independent teams? Well, they're, they're, they're amateur. They're Summer Collegiate teams. They're not professional teams. Okay, okay and, I got uh, you. And wasn't they, the have coastal some, p- they have some support from Major League Baseball and from USA Baseball. Wasn't
0: there a team in eastern North Carolina like this uh, the, that uh, was called the Coastal Plain
1: League? Well, the Coastal Plain League still exists. That's a Uh separate league. And you have teams like the Wilson-Tobbs and that, uh, uh, the High -High uh, Point-Thomasville-High-Toms, Fayetteville-Swamp Dogs, uh, uh, Moorhead City-Marlins. Those teams still exist, uh, but uh, that has no connection to the Summer Collegiate-Appalachian League. They're two separate leagues. Okay.
0: Now back to, as I understand it, uh, Each of the major league teams will
1: have, uh, I think, four minor league teams of varying levels. Does that sound right? Yeah. uh, Technically, it's five, but for all intents and purposes, it's four. It's five because each team also has a complex league uh, team at their spring training complex, uh, either in the Arizona League or the Gulf Coast League. But uh, in terms of the other farm clubs for each team, each team has... One AAA, one AA, one high A, and one low A. Uh, And in North Carolina, uh, there are two AAA teams, the Durham Bulls and the Charlotte Knights. Uh, The Durham Bulls, the AAA affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Charlotte Knights, the AAA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. No AA teams in North Carolina. But we've got a lot of Class A teams in the state. Now, here's where we had major difference from last year. A lot of the teams that were in the high A Carolina League, which no longer exists, are now in low A. And a lot of the teams that were in the low A South Atlantic League, which no longer exists, are now in high A. There was a, a flip of a lot of those teams. And uh, off the top of my head, I'll try to go through them for you. I might miss one or two because, I, like I say, I'm doing this off the top of my head. But in uh, high A... Uh, you have, from the Old Carolina League, the only team that remained in high A from the Old Carolina League is the uh, Winston-Salem Dash. Uh, but also moving into high A from low A are the Greensboro Grasshoppers, uh, the Hickory Crawdads, uh, the Asheville Tourists, the uh, Kannapolis Cannonballers. Uh, trying to think who else. Uh, in North Carolina now in that league. Moving to uh, the low A from the high A, you have the Carolina Mudcats, the uh, down-east Wood Ducks playing out of Granger Stadium in Kinston, uh, the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, and I believe this, I think I've named them all in the state. Uh, I might have missed one or two, because like I say, I'm doing that off the top of my head.
0: And do you believe that these teams will, will, well, is the situation in terms of fans going to the games and congregating
1: It's all clear at this point, or is it going to sort of be governed by whatever the state of North Carolina is doing? It's basically going to be governed by what the state uh, decides to do. And if you heard Governor Cooper's press conference this afternoon, uh, almost all those restrictions, as it looks now, will disappear on June 1st. Tony, um, Tony.
0: Yeah, we yeah. need to go because we need to take a break here. And if I don't do this, your good friend John will really put the put the bat to me. So we'll come back and finish our discussion right after we check the news on WPTF. Rootin'hass and freehand, Harvey Kniehl, in the series, winning three. I'm talking baseball, the Motor City's team. I'm Kearney. I'm here every night, Monday through Friday. But usually we do a little promoing at this time, so before we go back and talk to Mr. Rigsby, who is one great Detroit Tigers fan, and therefore the talking baseball was appropriate, I will tell you that tomorrow night Nick Petro of the National Weather Service will be with us to talk about springtime uh, bad weather and the possibilities of the hurricane season coming up. Uh,
1: so we invite you to tune in for that. Friday night, of course, will be trivia night. Tony? Well, first of all, Tom, let me say thanks to John Salter, as uh, always, for playing that version of Talking Baseball. And in the "As Time Flies" department, you realize it's been 41 years since Terry Cashman recorded Talking Baseball. I did not know that. I knew that it had been a long time, and, then and only, I you recorded it in 1980. Uh, there's different so versions of it. That's just there are different versions. The original here. one is Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. And which I think is the best baseball song of all time. I know your posture of the John Fogarty and the center field, but uh, I'm a Terry Cashman talking baseball guy myself. I just like to give you a hard
0: time, Tony. You know that. (laughs) I
1: know,
0: I'm I'm, I'm kidding. But I'm going to ask you, I have a piece of trivia for you, and it concerns. well, uh, you don't have to answer it. I'm just going to tell you the answer. But I became really interested. I'm a little older than you. And you know, there's a certain point where you you're interest, you become interested in the world around you. And I was gradually growing up, and my granddaddy was a Yankees fan, and I sort of liked Yogi Berra, too. But I also uh, bought my first baseball book, you know, Street and Smith, I think, in 1952 or 53. And the year before... I bought it, and it showed up in that magazine was an article about the Detroit Tigers, and they, they had have, they have one distinction at that time that, that is a good piece of trivia. They were the last of the eight, uh, there were 16 major league teams then, and they were the last one to finish in last place. Interesting,
1: I'd never heard that before.
0: Well, that, that that's that, that's a nice piece of
1: trivia. That's one of, one yeah, of my favorites. they've made up for some in the years since then, but <laughs> I was a good <laughs> review while it lasted. Well, the, the, the kind of
0: rookie star for them at that that year was Harvey Keene, and I remember he went on to have a long career. And uh, Al Kaline was right around the corner. Right
1: around and of course, uh, Harvey Keen, uh was. Uh, one part of one of the more controversial trades in the history of the Detroit Tigers. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I think it's the one with the Cleveland Indians that involves
0: Rocky Calavito. Is
1: that right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, uh, that was not not a popular trade uh, in Detroit at all at the time.
0: Well, help me with this. There was one of the trades that I thought was a funny trade. There was a time when the Indians and somebody— Maybe the Tigers traded
1: managers. Yes, indeed. That was uh, uh, Joe Gordon uh, was uh, was traded in that one. I'm trying to remember who he was traded for right now. <laughs> Joe Gordon was half of it, and I'm trying to remember the other half of that manager trade. Uh, uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's the I only time in major league history, history that a manager has been traded for another manager, although there are two instances of managers being traded for players. And one of them involves uh, your Pittsburgh Pirates. Hmm. I don't know that this I, you were teach me something here. Uh, it was uh, for Chuck Tanner. He was managing the Oakland Athletics for one year, and the Pirates wanted him as their manager so they traded catcher Manny Sanguian to the Oakland Athletics for manager Chuck Tanner. Didn't they get Sanguian back? Yes, they did. Yeah, And, of course, if you're a longtime Raleigh baseball fan, you remember in 1966 that Manny Sanguian was the catcher for the old Raleigh Pirates uh, in the Carolina League. Now, there's one other one, too, and this one was in 1968. Uh, Gil Hodges... Was managing the Washington Senators. The New York Mets wanted him as uh, manager after they had fired uh, Wes Westrum. And so, in order to acquire his rights from the Washington Senators, they sent pitcher Bill Dennehy to the Washington Senators for the rights to manager Joel Hodges
0: interesting you know what well, we're able to get together i'm sure somebody's done it actually and compile odd strange and curious trades because i seem to remember some point where maybe a uh, an announcer was traded for a player or something and i know one time the, the Cubs had a manager and an announcer Charlie Graham Jolly Charlie Jolly Charlie Graham was Graham was Charlie Graham yeah yeah they 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 uh, took the manager and put him in the broadcast booth and got the, man- the guy
1: up in the broadcast booth and put him down on the field. I think it lasted one year or something. That, that was 1960. That Charlie Grimm was in his third incarnation as manager of the Chicago Cubs at that point. Uh, and in mid-season, I uh, still remember the way it was described in one of the baseball publications that the Chicago Cubs owner, Phil Wrigley, decided to send manager Charlie Grimm to the broadcast booth at which point broadcaster and former Cleveland Indians manager Lou Boudreau leapt from the broadcasting booth to the dugout. And I just remember that phraseology of leapt from the broadcast booth to the dugout. Oh
0: uh, yeah you know I was trying to remember his name. He he might have been the one who was involved in the Cleveland trade because he was with Cleveland, you know,
1: for a long time. And yeah, but that, he was not involved in that trade though. He did, Uh, He had already gone to Chicago as a broadcaster by the time of that trade in the early 60s. But, you know, he had been the boy player manager of the uh, the Cleveland Indians at one point, too. I think he was, like, 23 when he became the manager, 24. And I don't know if you remember, uh, we had a colleague many years ago who worked with us at WPTF who had also worked at WGN. Uh, At the time, Lou Boudreau was uh, a color commentator uh, on radio, for the Cubs, and I remember this person talking about what a kind gentleman Lou Boudreau was. I think he had that, that reputation.
0: Something I want to ask you if you remember is that there was a point in the 70s, I think, or late 60s, when the Cubs could not, you know, they, they were getting close a lot of times, but couldn't quite do it, and they ended up for a while being managed by committee.
1: That was what was called the College of Coaches. And uh, that came into effect in the 1961 season following uh, what I had just talked about uh, with uh, Charlie Grimm and Lou Boudreau in 1960. The college of coaches technically lasted uh, through 1965. Uh, The first year, uh, there were four coaches who alternated as the head coach. Each was designated head coach for a short period of time. The first one was B.D. Hemsel and uh, Alvin Taffey was a part of that, as well as Lou Klein and Charlie Metro. And so they continued with a college of coaches through 1963, and then uh, they went back to having a manager, but still with the title of head coach with Bob Kennedy in 65 and 66. And then in 1963, they hired Leo de Rocher and went back with the title of manager. You pronounce that according to Granny Clampett de Rocher or something like that. You know, he appeared on the. Mr. de Rocher, I think they called him, the episode that he appeared uh, when uh, he was going to sign Jethro with the, the uh, possum ball.
0: Tell me the name of his movie star wife. Uh, was it Lorraine Day or something like that? Lorraine Day, sure. you got it. Very good. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, a lot strange and curious managerial exchanges at, uh, uh, with Tony Rigsby. Why don't we take a break, and when we come back, can you talk about college baseball a little, a little while? Uh, uh, a little bit. That's not my real area of expertise, but I'll try to talk
1: to you a
0: little well, bit. Well, one of the things I was reacting to and thinking about things for tonight is long ago, almost the whole length of my career at WPTF, a A guy called up one night when you were doing Sportsline, and he said, it would really be great if we could get some baseball in North Carolina. And what he meant, of course, was Major League Baseball. But I don't think I've ever seen you any,
1: you know, steam was coming out of your ears because there was baseball in North Carolina. Well, what you probably remember is that I think what he had said was professional baseball, and that is a major sticking point for any of us who work in Minor league baseball, which is very much professional baseball, and right. that will really get the steam going there. Yeah, that's, that I was, that, I thought, well, why don't, why don't we play this two
0: Tony's strength, then. We're going to talk about You like any kind of baseball. I mean, I can remember Chase, Dave Chase, our friend, calling him up and it was January and I thought, well, at least he won't be watching a baseball game and he was watching some Venezuelan League ball game on there. Yeah, he was watching the Caribbean World Series, I believe. <laughs> right, and last year when they uh, there weren't many games on ESPN and uh, MLB, they were carrying Korean baseball, I think. So, a true, yes, baseball, a true baseball fan will go where he's needed. <laughs> but I, I meant okay. it as a, a, a positive thing in, in, in offering you up. But uh, there, what, I guess what I'm wondering is: was there, and don't answer it now, we'll use it as a tease, a college World Series last year, and will there be one this year? Tony Re- there will be this one this
1: year, yes.
0: Tony Weeksby will be the one, he answered the question. He will tell you about that and other things when we come back. 9.50 at WTTF, Tom Kearney's show. Wednesday night, uh, April 21st, Tony Rigsby is our guest, and we've wandered all over the baseball field, uh, right, right around second base and in left field. We've People have said we've been in left field for a long time. I'm not quite sure what they meant by that. But, Tony, uh, there a couple of things, uh, still a, a, a moment or two to talk about. Uh, Another kind of baseball, another level, but uh, college baseball. And also, when we were talking about the about Cooperstown, I don't think we actually named
1: uh, the players who are going to be indu- inducted this year, who are left over from last year. But uh, could you? And take I care wish of that? you hadn't asked me that because, off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember that right now myself. And uh, you probably are a little closer to Google than I am, right? Now. Well, John, <laughs> John, John, John might be, but I think it's. Um,
0: uh, the former shortstop, I can't think of his name now, for the Yankees, who was a shoe in, uh, uh, good hitter for the Colorado Yankees. Rockies. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And, uh, I think, uh, Mike Simmons is, is uh, from the older group, uh, the uh, Cardinals catcher, I believe that's right. Ted Simmons. Ted Simmons. Ted Simmons. Ted Simmons. Okay. I believe that's right. And, uh, I don't remember the other the other folks that, that got in, uh, but uh, those those are I'm pretty sure are definite, and, and it's going to be like July 25th or something like that.
1: That's right, and uh, no Hall of Fame game at Doubleday Field this year, but uh, the ceremonies will take place. Uh, uh, they're going to do them inside this year without the crowd. As a uh, this was decide they had to decide this a while back and. They decided that when the COVID picture was a little worse than it is now. Probably if they were deciding now, we would have the outside ceremony, and they'll get back to that in 2022. But uh, this decision was made last winter. It is a shame because that is a beautiful place to be. Yes, it is, and I've had the pleasure of being at the induction ceremonies twice, in, uh, uh, in 1982 and in 1989, and it is an unforgettable experience.
0: And they're going to be, as we discovered back in September and October, uh, uh, some missing faces this year, too. I think we lost about
1: five or six members of the home. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a bad year uh, last year in terms of uh, losses, and we've already lost uh, some this year as well. One thing we should mention, though, is that this baseball season has gotten off to a great start because we've already had two no-hitters this year, one by uh, – a uh, North Carolidian, uh former NC State star, Carlos Rodon. Yeah, I mean, is he, 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 been he a, like a Raleigh or Wake County person or something like that? Yeah, he was an NC State guy and uh, grew up locally. Uh, uh, then uh, has been in the White Sox organization. He, that was the second one of the year. Joe Musgrove of the uh, San Diego Padres was the first one, and it was hard to believe that was the first no-hitter in the history of the San Diego Padres, uh, that history goes all the way back to 1969. They were the only major league team with no no hitter until Joe Musgrove threw one this month. Okay, good, good. Now, what about college baseball? Uh, well, it's, it's certainly there, and we're going to have the ACC tournament in uh, Charlotte uh, coming up in May, and the College World Series will be back this year in Omaha. Okay, that's, they didn't have one last year in Omaha. Is that correct? No. Well, if you recall, the college season came to an end there in March uh, when uh, uh, we had the huge shutdowns, and uh, uh, it never resumed. Uh, and there were a few colleges that didn't play this year in the uh, uh, Division Two and Division Three, but all of, uh, Division One played. There had been a few COVID problems here and there. But for the most part, it's gone pretty smoothly, and uh, like the intention is to go on with the with the postseason this year. And like I said, the ACC tournament will be in Charlotte this year, where it's been scheduled to be in 2020 before it had to be canceled. Well, you know,
0: I went away for a couple of months last March and April and part of May, and that was while they're going on. While I really didn't have as much uh, access to news, et cetera, as I might
1: like to have had, and. so, yeah, uh, that was uh, around March 10th, somewhere in there, was where uh, college baseball shut down before the year, and just about everything shut
0: down. As a matter of fact, well, yeah. we have come to the point now that we have uh, about uh, about a minute left, and my my interviewer's book says at this point you ask your guest, as the show comes to
1: a close, is there anything we haven't mentioned that you'd like to speak about? You have one. Well, no, I don't think. So. I think we pretty much have covered it. Uh just remind everybody that the minor league season begins on the 4th of May in ballparks across the nation and here in North Carolina and uh there will be reduced capacity here at the beginning of the season, but uh the way it looks right now, particularly with uh, comments from Governor Cooper today that uh by June we could be pretty much back to normal at the ballpark.
0: So the the Bulls will have fans and if well, you want to they they may have the more season. Yeah. And tonight? they have more fans, okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I want to thank you for this. I may give you a, a separate call a couple of minutes after the program is over for uh, to keep up my tradition, but I appreciate your being willing to come and visit with us tonight, and I hope we will talk again sometime. And That's have the same good. kind of free, freewheeling thing we had tonight. It was fun. It really was. It was, Tom, and it it's always a pleasure. Tony Rigsby, uh, one of my my longtime friend at WPTF and my mentor was our guest tonight talking about baseball. Tomorrow night, we're going to talk about weather with another friend of ours, Nick Petro. He's with the National Weather Service. And on Friday night, we're going to have trivia. And we have a baseball question for you to answer on the trivia program Friday night.